Now may we turn, please, to Psalm 119 and uh, verse 89. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. And last week I told you that I had gone through a little exercise of my own in which I went through the 119th Psalm verse by verse and noted the places where this phrase, thy word, uh, could be found. And then I proceeded to study it. Then I proceeded to look it through. And I found that all through this psalm are these magnificent references which show us the varying uh, ministries which the word has to us and to our heart showing us the very shades that the word itself offers uh, to us. And what we will do today is to look at these texts that follow it. I point out that there was a certain build-up. We started with the youth, wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereunto unto thy word. We started with the youth in the very beginning. And we saw the different circumstances in which we find ourselves as we live. And finally, we come to the latter years of life. And here the psalmist is speaking about the place which the word has at that time in our experience. Now, today, I want to take the expressions as we find them in this great psalm, following this theme which is at the center of the psalm. Verse 89, forever, O Lord, thy word is set. From all eternity it's been there, to all eternity it will be there. And what we have here in the Bible is a revelation of that which has been forever, and which God wants us to have in order that we too may have the blessings of this life which is forever. Now in this psalm you have these various references, thy statutes, thy commandments, thy precepts, thy law. These expressions run all the way through it. And they all refer in substance to the same great deposit. They all refer, we speak of the law of God, well, we speak of the Ten Commandments in a narrow form, but the law is, of course, the word. His word is law. All of these expressions in this psalm exalt and honor the revelation, the special revelation which we have. But it is interesting to just look at the one phrase, thy word, thy word. And beloved, when I come into this pulpit to preach to you on the Lord's day, we say we're preaching the word. Paul says, preach the word. When we come into this pulpit to minister unto you, we don't bring in a lot of theological books and a lot of philosophical terminologies and a lot of other things which have their proper place and which are in the learning and in the knowledge of many of us. But when we come into this pulpit, we use the terminology of the Scripture and we use the language that God has given to us in this book because this is the language that the Spirit has ordained to use in blessing our souls. Thy word. And we are to be taught. We are to be instructed. We are to be nurtured. We are to be comforted. We are to be guided by thy word. Now, beloved, let's check on some of these texts, if you will. Will you please take your Bible and we'll move along again somewhat like we did last Lord's Day in this section. And uh, 
When you pass the 89th verse of the 119th Psalm and you run down through it and find these expressions, you do not run into thy word again until you get to verse 101. I have refrained my feet from every evil way that I might keep thy word. Beloved, you can't walk in evil ways and walk in the way of the word at the same time. The two are mutually exclusive. They are contradictory. And the psalmist is saying, I have decided that I'm going to keep thy word. And since I'm going to do it, it's necessary that I avoid every evil way. Now, beloved, if we would believe that today, we could get our social problems and our civil rights problems and these poverty problems and these economic problems and a lot of other things straightened out without much difficulty. I have decided that my life, that my way is going to be determined by thy word and consequently every evil way. And the decision that you have to make when you are brought face to face with issues and problems, is this evil or is it righteous? Is this the way that the evil men are walking? Is this the way that God's people should go? And our answer is that we must walk the way that the Word would give us instructions to go. I point out last Lord's Day that the Word brings us to Christ. It's the Word of salvation. But, beloved, you've just begun to deal with the Word when you're saved. The saved have found the Word, but from that time on, that Word becomes everything to us. And we are a people of this book. And that is what the psalmist is saying in this particular passage I have refrained my feet from every evil way that I might keep thy word. All right, look down to verse 107. We'll just, just line these verses up and see the little emphasis that's different. I am afflicted very much. Quicken me according to thy word. Now, a great many people don't think they need the Bible until they get afflicted, and then they say, read it to me. A great many people aren't interested in the things of the Lord until trouble comes, and then they said, send the preacher, I want to talk to him. A great many people aren't interested in any of these things until trouble comes, and they say, oh, well, maybe, maybe I'd better listen. The psalmist says, I am afflicted very much. I have all kinds of trouble. And Lord, if somebody doesn't help me, if somebody doesn't come to my rescue, it's going to be the end of me. And I want you to quicken me. I want you to take that which I know can help me and use it and just let life come into me. Let strength come into me. Let hope come into me. And let that word work in my soul what I know thou hast promised that it will work. 
Frankly, and I wonder maybe I shouldn't say this, but some of you, what some of you people need is not a psychiatrist. What some of you people need is just the Bible. What some of you people need is to get back to this book in the hours of trouble. This will clean your mind and strengthen your mind. And, beloved, I can assure you, I saw it in Cape May this week. In the, talk about a pastoral ministry. That's about all you have. People talking to you, people talking to you. And they come to you with these various questions. And one lady came to me with her trouble, and she had some ideas. And I said, lady, sit down just a minute. I want to show you something. She sat down. I took the Bible. She says, oh, I'm relieved. She says, that's wonderful. Thank you. We had prayer, and she went out. Amazing what a scripture will do to change people around. It'll do it. And when you are misled and confused and you have sorrow, the place to get the comfort is in the quickening of this book. Now, don't misunderstand me. Just because I said a few moments ago that about the only time people go to the Bible is when they're in trouble. Beloved, go to the Bible when you get in trouble. That's where you need to go. And if that's the only time you go, well, go to it. And after you've tasted and seen what the Word can do and how it can work grace and change your attitudes, change your uh, spirit, when you see what it can do, then you will want to attend to its ministry and rejoice in what this book can do to your heart. Now, 114. Another one of these references. Thou art my hiding place and my shield. I hope in thy word. Now running through the psalm are a number of these references to I hope in thy word. I hope in thy word. Hope relates to the assurance of help. Hope relates to what will take place tomorrow. Hope relates to our future and to our comfort. And the psalmist says, here I am, I'm going along, I have these afflictions, I have these things, but no matter what may come along the path of life, no matter what may beset me, no matter what uh, pinnacle I may climb, no matter where I am, at that point there's something in that book just for me. Now you know that. In fact, you have to get into troubles, you have to have varieties of experiences, and you need, when you have these troubles, to turn to the Word and you'll find that there's trouble there. Others have had the same trouble. I've always been interested in that reference in Corinthians, you know, where the Apostle Paul had had a big trouble, some kind of an accident or something else. And uh, he was giving testimony to it. And then he says, those of you who've had trials, when you see someone else who's been in trouble or is in trouble, you go to them and you talk to them and you tell them that God comforted you and delivered you out of the same trouble. And really, it's a very interesting experience when people go to the hospitals and they have some kind of a particular uh, affliction and it's the words passed around that so-and-so has so-and-so and the first thing you know, another lady who had the same thing goes in and she talks to her and she says, well, I went through it three years ago and I'm fine. It's great comfort. 
That's what the Lord is saying here, that we hope in his word. His word has cared for others. His word will care, will care for us. Now look at the next one. Verse 16. One sixteen. Uphold me according to thy word that I may live, and let me not be ashamed of my hope. It's very closely related to that, of course. But the psalmist is speaking here of the fact that he knows that this word will give him what he needs. Beloved, when you get into troubles, please, please, don't go running off to the movie to get comfort. I remember one time where I got the advice from somebody that said, so-and-so told me all I need to go was to the movie and forget my ills. No, beloved, you just go running to this book and you get your ills in the proper perspective and you'll understand them and then you won't have to run away from anything or run to any place. You'll find the victory and the triumph that you need and this is what the psalmist is saying at this point. Now will you move down just a little further? Let's move over to verse 133. Order my steps in thy word and let not any iniquity have dominion over me. I took a vow when I became a Presbyterian minister that I believed the scriptures of the Old and the New Testament to be the only infallible rule of faith and practice. And I told you people that my steps, my direction would be ordered by this word. It's our infallible rule. Our worship is ordered by this word. We worship in spirit. We worship in truth. And that's why our worship is so simple and our order is so plain. Everything we do in the worship of God, we've sought to do it because we believe it's in accordance with what he would have us do. That's why we have the scriptures here. We live about the scriptures. We present the scriptures. And the only symbolism that we have is not some crosses and not some statutes and not some idols. The only symbolism that you have about this great Protestant church is this blessed pulpit with this Bible on it and I'm opening it up to you now and that's the ministry and the work of the church. Now beloved they just had a nice big story in this week's issue of Time magazine about the new forms of worship which they opened up and experimented with in Uppsala at the meeting of the World Council and they've got a picture now of the new worship and it's touch and tell touch and tell. And the way you get close together in these worship services now, if you're going to really understand humanity and have fellowship, you've got close enough together where you can touch each other, put your hands on one another, and after you get through, then you tell what, how it felt and what an experience it was. And the picture they have of this touch and tell form of worship which they're now developing, and this is advanced worship. These are the new insights. These are the marvelous understandings that we're getting today as we move into this broad humanistic concept, touch and tell. And you know the picture they have? They got some boys just loving the girls up. That's right. Boys got their hands around here and girls got their hands. You should see it. Touch and tell. This is a nice way to get to handle people. It's a new way to worship. And it's in Time magazine this week as one of the great progressive developments now of these new things that we're moving into. Beloved, you keep your hands off the women and you keep your hands off of everybody else. And when you come to worship, you worship in spirit. 
and you worship in truth. And all we've got is this downgrade, degenerating process which is taking the people of God back to the flesh and back to the world. That's what it is. And it's right in the midst of us. Order my steps according to my word. That's what we want. And you, dear people, must know and you must understand this blessed word and the things that are in it so you can give an answer for the faith that is in you. Now look at verse 139. Look at the variety. See how rich this is as it unfolds. My zeal hath consumed me because mine enemies have forgotten thy words. My enemies don't know thy word. They've forgotten it and I've gotten so zealous my zeal has just taken possession of me. And thank God I'm willing to be a testimony and I'm willing to be a witness to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Beloved, I have no objection whatsoever to these people who put bumper stickers on the rear end of their car that say, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You go riding down the highway and you run into one of these cars or they're ahead of you and you've got a captive audience until the traffic gets out of way. I have no objection whatsoever to these billboards along the highways that these businessmen put up in other groups that say repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Just as you go over the bridge here into Philadelphia there at the Sunday Bee, there's a great big sign up there that millions see. And every time I see it, I say, Lord, use it to save somebody's soul. Oh, beloved, the psalmist is saying here, my zeal hath consumed me. I become so zealous, I become so earnest, I desire to send forth this message out. It's the word of God. My enemies, they don't know anything about it. I know they don't know anything about it. So my zeal has consumed me, and I'm going out to be a witness and a worker for our blessed Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And this is the kind of zeal that this church needs. This is the kind of zeal that you people need. A zeal that will so consume you that you are seeking the things of God's kingdom first and you're dedicated to the ministry of the gospel and we're living for our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. On Friday night at the close of this prophetic conference with Dr. McCrae, I gave the invitation and the call to young people to come and give their lives for full-time Christian service. And I asked those who were present who'd done this in some previous time to come forward. And beloved, I want to say to you, there was hardly a dry eye in that congregation on Friday night. As one young lady came forward for the first time in her life and her tears were in her eyes and she said, Dr. McIntyre, I've decided to give everything I have and where the Lord will place me now, I'll go. Another young man came down and shook hands and says, Dr. McIntyre, he says, I'm ready to make that decision. And gathered about them were young people, many of them from this church, thank God. There was one young man from this church whom we know and love, and I said, son, have you made this decision? He said, I made it some time ago, but it's the first time I've come down. But, oh, beloved, this is the consuming zeal. Last evening I had a doctor come to me from one of the southern states. He handed me a check for $1,000. He said, Dr. McIntyre, I'm a doctor. And he says, I have a family. But he says, I've decided that I want to give myself in 
someplace in some way. He says, I want to get myself, I've got some property and lands, I want to get those fixed up, but I want to do something to help the cause of the Lord full time. He said, could you give me any help? Could you give me any guidance? And he and I sat there, a wonderful, brilliant, keen man, has a family, placed a check in my hands for $1,000, and he says, Dr. McIntyre, he says, life is too short, and he says, something's happened to our country, and I want to help. Thy zeal hath consumed me, because mine enemies have forgotten thy word. And if we could have the zeal, if we could have the zeal that the church needs, that will speak to men and speak to young people and change their ways and make them give their lives to the preaching of the gospel, we'll build a church. We'll build a college. We'll build a Christian high school. We'll build characters who will serve Jesus Christ. And it'll be done by his word. By his word. All right, now look a little further. Verse 140. Thy word is very pure. Therefore thy servant loveth it. It's pure. It's clean good doctrine. There's not a thing wrong with it. There's not a thing wrong with this word. Nothing in it that can harm you. The only purpose God gave it was to do you good. I had two ladies come to me talk about getting pastoral illustrations. You surely get them because you get the whole country on top of you in just a few days. But two ladies came to me. I don't think I've told you this story. The two ladies came to me and they were sisters, I believe. They looked very much alike. And they said, Dr. Mangar, we've got a problem and we want you to dissolve it for us. I said, do you want me to dissolve it? I said, yes. They said, yes. I said, well, what is your problem? I said, well, she says, well, she says, I believe that once you're saved, that you don't have to have a second work of grace in order to serve the Lord. And my sister, she thinks that there are two separate acts. One, you get saved, and the second work of the Spirit is a second work of Spirit, and then you can go into service of the Lord. And they both stated their case as though I were Solomon. And when they got through, they said, now which one of us is right? Well, I knew which one of them was right, but you hated to hurt the dear lady. And I said, lady, I said, do you want me to give you the word of God? She says, yes. I says, even if it hurts? She said, yes. I says, even if you're wrong? Yes. Well, I says, lady, you're wrong and you're right. Goodbye. They looked at me and she says, how do you know I'm wrong? I says, well, lady, you're wrong because the Bible teaches you're born once, just once, by the power of God. And then from that time on, you're to grow in the knowledge of the Lord. You're to grow in grace. There's only one baptism, but many, many infillings of the Spirit of God. And as I explained it to her, she says, that settles it for me. And the two ladies walked aside, agreed. Oh, beloved, thy word is pure. Thy word is very pure. And it will take the word of God if you believe it. It will strengthen.
straighten you out. It'll clean you up. It'll give you sound doctrine. It'll make you a servant of Jesus Christ. That's what it'll do for you. Notice verse 148. Mine eyes prevent the night watches that I might meditate in thy word. Oh, he says, I can't sleep. Did any of you get to the places where you can't sleep and it gets to be 2 o'clock in the morning and you can't sleep? Did you ever think about getting up if you can't sleep and going into the bedroom somewhere and turning on a little lamp and getting out the Bible and reading it for a few minutes? Try it. It'll be as good as a pill. Oh, it'll do a lot good. Don't misunderstand me. I'm in favor of pills. I'm not against pills. And I'm in favor of the means. But I think God's given us means here that are gracious. And the psalmist said, I prevented the night watches. And I meditate on thy word, he said. It's the word and there's not a thing in the world that will relieve you and take tensions out of your mind. All the pills in the world won't take tensions out of your mind. Oh, beloved, this is that medicine which will heal. It's the healing balm of Christ to the souls and the spirits of troubled men. And they want to meditate upon the things of God. Now let's take the last. I may have to skip verse 161. We'll just look at it. Princes have persecuted me without a cause, but my heart standeth in awe at thy word. Oh, how we reverence it and respect it. We don't worship. We worship God. It's not a fetish. But it's true. And then the last section has it all. Let my cry come near before thee, O Lord. Give me understanding. According to thy word, I want to understand it. This is the glory of our Protestant belief. You understand it. The pulpit doesn't prescribe it. The Bible determines it. And you are to be judged by God out of your own heart. And you are to have that understanding. And, beloved, that's why once you become a Christian, once you're a child of God, everything should center around the Word of God. Everything should center about His people. Everything should center about the church that's standing true to Christ. Give me understanding according to thy Word. Now, verse 170. Let my supplications come before thee. Deliver me according to thy Word. First, give me understanding, and once you get that understanding, you're going to do things. You're going to take stands. You're not going to sin. You're going to reject the new morality and everything else that comes down the road today. But when you do it, you're going to be, have to be delivered. The Lord's going to have to take care of you. But he's going to do it according to his word. That's your cry and that's your prayer. And then finally, verse 172, and this is the last reference to this, thy word in this scripture. It's the last reference. Here it is. My tongue shall speak 
of thy word. For all thy commandments are righteousness. The last thing in the 119th Psalm is that your tongue is speaking of this word. This is our testimony. Open my mouth that we may declare the great righteousness of our God. Our tongue is to speak out. Here's the word. Here are the problems. This is what we must do. This is where we must stand. And we must witness to men everywhere that only Christ can deliver them from their sins and give them the life and the peace that there is in Christ. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Let us pray. Our Father, we're thankful for this time together. Oh, the power of this book in the lives of thy people. Oh, Father, our years are too short to understand it as we'd like to. But, oh, Father, may we understand it as thy spirit speaks its comfort to our soul. Amen. 391.
may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion and fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.